The opinions expressed in the following are those of its participants and do not necessarily reflect those of the producers and the Six Talk Podcast Network. Also, the following contains mature material and mild language, which may not be suitable for all audiences. Discretion is advised. And the podcast begins for this Friday night, August 28th. 2020. This is episode 23 of the Anime Roundtable version 2. Good evening from Toronto, Mike Nicholas, James Austin, Kevin Ng, and Mohamed Shamarki with you again. If you have any questions or comments, animeroundtable at gmail.com is our email address. Instagram and Twitter at animeroundtable. Animeroundtable.com is our website and archive. And please don't forget to give us a rating wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, or the like. We start tonight at a spot I was hoping not to visit again so soon. Just plain and simple. His name is Jacob Blake. And even though he might now be paralyzed, we and his family can thank God and still say his name is Jacob Blake and not His name was Jacob Blake. Now, I'm going to stop short of repeating what I said at the beginning of episode 19 a few months ago, so if you're really curious, listen to that again. However, I do want to add a few more things here. Kim Yi, one of the co-hosts of the Link Cable podcast, wrote on his Facebook page calling out the notion that canceling sports won't change things. He added that canceling sports made people talk on social media about why it happened and that it became the top story on newscasts. How about that, he said. It actually got the story of another black man being shot at the hands of police back on the front page so that nobody can ignore it. Second, if you want to criticize black athletes by saying if they didn't have their talents, they'd be just another black guy, you don't realize that doesn't change anything for them. They're still black, which means they often still don't get the benefit of the doubt when they need it the most from a police officer. Don't believe me? Ask Masai Ujiri or Sterling Brown or Desmond Morrow. Who, you ask? Well, all you need to know is that these men probably make way more than any of us and have at least some resources to fight when they've been wronged. Those athletes know that, and use their platform to give voice to those who don't have that, and make sure no one is left behind that way. As for our platform, it's still not big. And truth be told, we don't have the privilege to be paid to have this platform. Actually, we pay for it. And we will shut up in a bit and talk a little anime, but once again, we bring this up because it's the right thing to do. We bring this up to be on the right side of history. And we bring this up because it's not about politics, it's about basic human rights. It's not about left or right, it's about right or wrong. We bring this up again to acknowledge and not ignore, and maybe ask, what we can do right now to help. Perhaps as a start, we should remember his name. His name is Jacob Blake. We 
said this all back in May. Is there anything else to really add to it? After what we saw this week? It just proves to show that it's going to take a lot of work to change the system, so to speak, over there. And, you know, looking at it from an outsider's point of view, it just baffles me. And and that's not to say that we don't have those incidents happening here, because they certainly have. Yeah, there's but another angle to that. It, it's just... I know it's just baffling. It's saddening. It is. I think there were some key people down there this week who did not say his name. That's why I want to emphasize that a couple times over. Oh, not that we expected them to anyway. Yeah. That too. Uh, James, Mo, is there anything you guys want to add? Uh, I think there is people trying to make positive change, and we saw that in the sports world, especially with the NBA, of course, and they're a very progressive league, as we know, and they thought they could go into the bubble and they would try to bring up uh, social justice and move the needle forward, and they just they felt it this week. They felt it, and that's what it was about these three days, and they had those real discussions, and we're starting to see that. They're discussing about having people in the States if the owners own that arena and are able to, and the election commissions want them to, they will invite them in to set up polling stations in those arenas. Uh, now, some of them, place, yeah, an easy place for people to get to. Now, some of them, maybe logistically, it might not work out because they, a story came out from Memphis after the Memphis Grizzlies and the FedEx uh, arena the local commission over there said uh, it wouldn't work for them and stuff like that. And they wanted to do it through other means to drive people to their traditional polling stations or to some other places they had set up and stuff like that, getting ready for the November election, because it really is ticking down. So you can understand if some people are not able to take advantage of that. Yeah. But hopefully it drives more people out to the polls for them. We've also seen it on our side of the border with the Raptors and them talking to expat uh, Americans in Canada and stuff like that and saying, you can still vote for president and telling them how to vote uh, as an expat in a foreign country, which is very yeah. educational and very good for people. During their playoff games. Mm -hmm. uh, Mo, you want to add something? Nope. There's not little else, huh? Nope. Yeah. I guess... Yeah, there's nothing else. Okay. The thing is, this week was a bunch of different anniversaries. Today, as we tape this, is the 57th anniversary of the I Have a Dream speech. And I watched them, yep. Oh. Earlier this week was also the fourth anniversary of the first time Colin Kaepernick took a knee. And the only thing I'll say is, weren't those the good old days? Huh. Kind of gotten to another point since. Okay, we've made our declaration. Let's pause for a couple seconds. And then let's actually get to the anime stuff. 
because I get it. Maybe we're talking, we're changing gears a little too fast, but sometimes the talk about what we really do helps the soul really. And for what it's worth, I know the ga- the basketball players will be going back beginning tomorrow and a lot of other sports are also continuing after their pauses and people say, okay, so what was the point of all that? In the end, a lot of these athletes have their platforms because of what they play and the fact they play. And to some degree, if they don't play at this point, those platforms to them will be lost. So hopefully that's good for their soul. Let's, as I said, let's take the break and come back. We'll start talking about a handful of anime headlines. Because as I said, it's good for the soul. Back in a second. So let's start tonight by quickly following up on the Act Age story from a few weeks ago. Artist Shiro Usazaki finally broke her silence on the cancellation of the manga she was doing with writer Tatsuya Matsuki when the latter was caught performing an indecent act with a minor. She released a statement earlier this week, and in that statement, she expressed her support of the cancellation along with sympathies for both Matsuki's alleged victims and fans of the manga and encouraged fans not to harass the victims because of the manga's cancellation because that was not their fault. Reading the outline of the statement, it sounds like she really hit all the right notes here. Yeah, she definitely, I was reading it and she hit everything uh, on the head as they said. And she also talked about how some people have once been saved by manga and stuff like that. And you shouldn't be using that love and inciting violence. It's two wrongs don't make a right. But hopefully uh, people can learn from this and uh, it won't turn uh, poisonous. But we've seen it in other internet cultures and other uh, fandoms and stuff like that. So it's sad it has to be said, but I know why she said it. I was kind of impressed she acknowledged that continuing the manga may bring some sort of PTSD of sorts. Well, she talked about trigger triggering bad memory them. For... And that's what a lot of them use now. It's like something will trigger them and stuff like that. And I understand where that comes from too. Oh, I, I, I can respect that like fully. Even the name of uh, the, the writer, you know what I mean, on the manga and stuff yeah. like that. And remembering that he is associated with it. It's kind of hard to unring that bell. You know what I mean? And different people react different ways, right? I haven't heard the term memories triggering PTSD, specifically that terminology, but I get the idea. You don't want to remember tough things that have happened to you. And I guess there is a scientific or at least psychological term for that concept. So I get that. As for the whole... Well, yeah, I have to put, I'm going to say this right now. A lot of these statements feel a lot like the fallout after Vic McNona's 
controversy because a lot of these feelings were known to be feelings among on both sides of that issue to me you had a lot of his defenders saying well his work helped me through a tough time right and then but maybe keeping him on may trigger something bad for his victims and then obviously there, there and obviously in time we started seeing a lot of harassment on those speaking out against the victims of Matsuki have not uh, been heard from publicly but they're minors we shouldn't expect to hear from them frankly and maybe for their own safety too cuz i get the feeling they would be harassed if they made themselves publicly known in any form. Like there were just a lot, to me, a lot of right notes that were hit. It, it feels like Usazaki has kind of kept up with fan culture in some ways. This was a well thought out statement, I thought, from my view. At least considering what the culture, the internet culture and the fan culture could be like. They did their work. So this, to me, this statement hit all the right notes. It was about what I expected. Granted, she she gave it, I'm sure she gave that statement a lot of thought, knowing that sooner or later she would have had to have said something about it. And, and I respect her decision. I really do. In spite of me really enjoying that series, like, I... I didn't, I honestly, once I heard the news, I, I had a feeling that there was a very good chance that this would be over. So yeah. I guess that was just the final, I'm trying not to use the cliche nail in the coffin, but. Let's call it a, the epilogue. Yes. That's a good way of putting it. Because we had yet to hear from her. It was nice to hear from her. And it, it sounds like she's handled this very well, especially since she keeps talking about the victims and acknowledging the victims. Well, I agree wholeheartedly. So didn't really hint at anything else. Did she hint at any other work to come? No, she didn't. Doesn't it, sound like it she did. It was just read like uh, that. hopeful that everyone uh, can move forward positively and uh, with a better future in mind, you know what I mean? And whoever that is, hopefully definitely for the victims, but also for the fans of uh, the original manga that we're sorry that this happened, but we can't unring the bell and it's time to move forward. And don't take uh, your pain and sadness out on people that don't deserve it. The most simplest thing in the world, don't be an asshole. Yeah. And fandom can certainly be that way, I suppose. But that, I guess, would be the more unkind way or undiplomatic way, as I just put it, as we know. But sometimes people don't get the message, as we've talked about many times before, right? No kidding. I don't know. There isn't too much else to add to this one either, is there? It's going to be a quick episode. No, Usazaki, as I said, she... Like, the sympathy with Overact Age's cancellation 
was always with her. And the fact, the way she spoke up this time over the last week, I think it's a good, it is a good follow-up and a good way to put closure on the issue in that sense, I think. So good on her. Glad to hear from her. I'd like to think it closes the issue fully, but I get the feeling it doesn't in that sense, in one way too. It closes one issue, but there's still obviously a little bit more to the story. Let's take a quick break. Lots of stuff on the streaming end to talk about, and we're going to do them in a bunch of bullets. It's the Anime Roundtable on Six Talk. And the podcast now continues. Nicholas, Austin, Ing, Shamarki with you in conversation. Okay, I'm, I have to start this segment, and this is going to be a bit of a surprise to you guys because this just came across on my phone. This is breaking news. According to CBC News, Chadwick Boseman, the actor from Black Panther, has died at the age of 43 after a four-year yeah. battle with colon cancer. No. This is, just, for real? This wow. is just breaking news. It just Whoa. came on my phone in the last minute. Literally in the last minute. That's hard to believe. Holy folks, a four-year battle. It's like, did he ever say he was like fighting that? Because I'm just shocked to think that. Yeah, he yeah. did that in one shoot. Forty-two, man. Forty. That is too young, man. That is too young. Forty-three. Wow. Yeah, he was the. I forgot his character's name, but he was the main antagonist. Was he Black the? Panther. There's Black Panther. Oh, he was Black Panther. Oh, oh, he, I was thinking oh, really? No, oh. he was the star. That's nice. right. He was the star. Oh, man. Damn. All I keep thinking about that, that movie where he goes, clearly I'm not dead. Oh, now he's dead. Wow. Chadwick Boseman, the star of Black Panther. Jeez. I, I I am I'm speechless right now. That is ridiculous. That and you're recording this now too? Can you do that? Wow. Wow. I'm just gonna try and pull up the CBC news website just to see what else has been added, if there's anything that's been added to that news. And we'll read it out loud. Chadwick Boseman died at his home in L.A. with his wife and family by his side. That's right. I, I was thinking he played the antagonist. No, he was the lead role in Black Panther. Today was Jackie Robinson Day in the... Oh, uh, wow, that's He played that. Jackie Robinson in a, in a movie. He's played James Brown. Yeah, no, he played, had some other roles before Black Panther, but Black Panther was his biggest ever. And he, most people are going to He played James Brown in a biography for him as well. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, not, yeah, not I remember publicly. James Brown and Jackie Robinson. Those were great yeah. roles. He, he never spoke publicly about the diagnosis. And uh, family has released a statement. Mm -hmm. A true fighter, Chadwick persevered through it all. 
and brought you many of the films you have come to love so much. From Marshall to The Five Bloods, August Wilson's My Rainy, Black Bottom, and several more, all were filmed during and between countless surgeries and chemotherapy. It was the honor of his career to bring King T'Challa to life in Black Panther. And I guess there's that's the... That's the report thus far on CBC News. Uh, I guess we can expect to see more added within the next little while. But yeah, Chadwick Boseman, gone at the age of 43. It's really too soon to process this. This is... How else do you want to process this at the moment? The talk about, damn. I, 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 damn. That's all I could say. You know, I never watched Black Panther, so I this come on, Kevin. Your man just died. Come on. No, what? well, I, I was. Well, let me finish. Finish your thought, because now I, I, I gathered my thoughts. Let's bring it up. So, I'll admit that this doesn't hit me as hard as other as if certain other celebrities would have passed on, but. I won't deny that hearing this news was a little surprising and and saddening nonetheless. Like it's just when you hear such prominent figures just leave us all of a sudden, it's it's it always takes you always takes me aback a little bit. Let's yeah, let's talk about this. My, I've, I've started to gather my thoughts a little bit. After everything that's going on in the Black Lives Matter movement, he depicted Jackie Robinson. He played the lead role in a movie that was heralded for its black cast. Black actors playing Marvel superheroes. This was one of those benchmark movies, even in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This was a widely lauded film at the time. And then put that all together with what is going on in the U.S. right now. Yo! I mean, the time we were all? That's, that's why this one hits. Like, it hits already pretty hard as a fan, as somebody who enjoyed watching those movies as a fan. But as I said, at this point in history... That's what we're talking about right now. Like he, he, 
his depiction of King T'Challa empowered a lot of blacks in the in the states, did it not? It started to have them feel like they belonged in the Marvel universe. I mean, the Marvel universe is starting to make its some key diversity strides. He start helped start that with Black Panther. And it'll continue. I, I forgot his name, the actor from Kim's Convenience. Simon? Was all, his name's huh? Simon? Yeah, he's set to star in, in a future one future installment in the universe. And I'll look it up in a sec. Shung Wong, I think. Mm-hmm. Kung Fu Master. But as I said, just juxtapose this news with everything that's happened there in the last couple months, and especially this week. Is it safe to say he was really... he? He was a kind of a source of pride for a lot of blacks in the States. Yeah, Is definitely. He's, a, he's, a, he's an iconic individual, you know? Damn. This is heavy, man. Yeah, this is, this is shocking, shocking news. I have to take my take a breath again. Let's take a break. We'll go back. Yeah, let's let's take a break, and we'll see what else we can go with after this. Back in a second. And welcome back. We're still taking a, a deep breath after learning of the news of Chadwick Boseman's death. Still trying to process it. Uh, I figure there'll be other people who will, who are even more well-versed, who will be able to say more about this. But yeah. Okay, we do have to move on. We did plan to start a bullet segment, so let's do that. The bullets, things presented in point form, which may turn into an essay. Let's start. Well, let's see, where, where do you want to start with the bullets tonight? No, why don't we start with... Uh... Sailor Moon, Mike, because I was looking at that one article and I didn't realize that today marks the 20th, 5th anniversary since Sailor Moon debuted on YTV. It debuted on August 20th, 1995. So why don't we start there? Wow. That okay. long. Like, I, I didn't like... even think of it, but supposedly that is a true fact. And it's like, wow, it's been that long and it became such a part of Canadian culture. 
Jesse Betteridge reported earlier this week through a read of a Bell Media statement listing what's upcoming for Crave in September, he discovered that Sailor Moon has been picked up by Bell's streaming service. The entire original series, which ran for five seasons, I believe, has been picked up for sometime in September. I forgot the exact date. For all our talk about Crave in the last number of months on missed opportunities anime-wise, this is an interesting one to me. I guess if you think about it, if someone was going to go after something, it probably would be Sailor Moon, and you would have people at Crave and Bell that probably grew up watching Sailor Moon. Like, it became such a part of people's lives in the mid-90s and stuff like that, being a kid in Canada and watching it on YTV, watching it after school on The Zone or watching it in the morning and stuff like that. And it was syndicated to death and how you had the SOS campaign in it. The last part of R came to YTV and was helped by them to get it finished off in Toronto. Like, you could see that it would come back through that method probably. Unfortunately, it's probably not going to be the original demos we expect. It's probably going to be the dub viz produced since they're actually doing the full series and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm. My own reaction to this is I'm trying not to read too much into it. I don't think the gateway is opening, that's for sure. But No, I don't if, think so either. If you it's, think it's, about it's... what type of series it is, I can see why they would have went out and got it and stuff like that. And they would have oh, had okay. some people behind it. You know what I mean? That had watched it. And okay, juxtapose it. this in terms of everything else Crave has. Crave, for what it's worth, this is going to be on the basic tier of Crave. So it's the $10 per month tier for Crave. Not as part of the HBO part. It's all part of the archived HBO and Showtime stuff. I try and think a little bit about what's in that tier. I, not all of it I can remember. Obviously, uh, most Bell media programming is part of that tier. I don't necessarily see a fit, but it's kind of cool that it's there. That's the, the way I look at it. But is there something that you can kind of see in that? Hmm. Or should we just knock it off as something pretty cool? I All I want to say is about damn time. Because we know there's been some issues with Viz not streaming all of their licenses up here. Hmm. I could say also it's a nostalgia play, of course, even if we don't get the original dub. Well, it'll be interesting to see if is it just the dub or is it going to be dub and sub? That'll be the intriguing part because I don't mm. know about language options on how that works with Crave. You know what I mean? Yes. Well, I would imagine you could get them all. For reference, when I had the Crave subscription and was watching Star Trek Picard, I could get it in French. It was an option. So... I would like to think it's there, but we'll find out. 
when it finally shows up later in September. For reference, Crave is available beginning at $10 a month. We mentioned that. If you're willing to pay an extra $10, make it $20. You get HBO, make it $30. Stars programming, and respectively, I think on the first two tiers, if you're willing to pay $100, you can get that for the $10 tier for a year. $200 gets you the HBO tier for a year. Why am I bringing up subscription prices, you ask? Second bullet. Okay, Crunchyroll. Crunchyroll earlier this week released news of going multi-tier as well. It was partly in response to the long-requested feature for subscribers to download and watch programming offline on their devices. They got it, but let's just say you'd have to reach a little bit more to it. Crunchyrolls generally divide themselves into three tiers, two tiers, depending two on tiers, where you are. And they've added the middle tier for the download uh, to view offline. Basic tier is the one we know right now, which begins at $7.99 a month, is it? Yeah, American, I believe. Mm -hmm. And... The next tier is the one that gets you offline download, uh, offline viewing. And then I think there's like a mega fan tier, they call it, the third or fourth. I think they added another one in the States. And, and that involves the Crunchyroll store and stuff like that. So I guess you get a discount and like the Americans I know got free shipping on everything and stuff like that. But that was never available to international uh, subscribers. So yeah, they have they have four tiers overall in the states, and then three in much of the rest of the English speaking world. So Canada, and I think it's mainly aimed Canada and UK. I know reading around the general consensus is unsatisfied. Well, there's definitely a lot of chirping, and some of it was stuff we've heard again and again. Uh... From Crunchyroll, it's like many people haven't had great experiences on the platform. I know I've had issues in the last few months where I'm trying to watch an episode and I know my internet is not the issue, but I keep on seeing the spinning circle trying to oh. load an episode. And I'm like, what am I paying I for? That. And people are asking that question on that front. They talk I... about the translators. because I get that too. Uh, when I've uh, been watching the odd episode of Card Captor, Clear card. I'd had to. I've had to restart. But then I know there's the one we talked about, Mike, and that was one we've seen now added into the mix because obviously it was a requested feature, and that is why am I paying for this when all the other guys, it's just included in the basic. And I think we understood the reasoning behind it, but I guess others uh, don't understand is that there's probably an extra fee to actually have this on uh, the license, of course. And it's yes, hidden buried beneath in Netflix and stuff like that. And as you said, maybe certain Netflix series are not allowed to be viewed offline because they wouldn't allow that to happen or there was an extra cost. Yeah. I mean, we remember, we've talked in the past that whenever a show gets licensed to somebody, it's very specific. Is It's, it's streaming rights, but not necessarily Blu-ray rights. Something tells me in that mix now is offline viewing rights as well. 
Yep. And we because that amounts to temporary digital copy or a temporary rental or whatever, and that's to be negotiated too. I suppose that's my guess. Someone suggested that in some of the forums, and James, it sounds like uh, you would generally agree that could be the case. Yeah, that's likely. Like, it just adds more confusion. Like, a few weeks ago, I know people were confused because Sentai announced that they had the license to Wicked City and to Demon City Shinjuku. And people were like, well, how can that be when Discotech just released a Blu-ray of one of them in, at the end of July and Wicked City is going to be at the end of September? And then it was buried in the press release that they didn't have the home video. They had the streaming rights. And Discotech had to clarify with people that they just had the home video. So now you have this and you're just like, well, what's going to happen, right? It's like you could have multiple people having different moving parts. Now, hopefully that won't happen, but weird things have happened in the licensing yeah. business. Okay, just looking it up, the present tiers right now, the premium tiers in terms of Canada, $7.99 a month for the first tier, the fan tier. The mega fan tier, that's where the offline viewing begins. That's a $9.99 per month tier. Uh, I'll, I'll, perhaps one other key thing is with the first tier, you can stream on one device. Second tier, you have four devices. And then if you're willing to pay $100, you can get the mega fan tier for a year. Those are the uh, key differences. Uh, according to the website, I forgot off the top of my head the US one, but I think you kind of hit that already for me, uh, James. Yeah, I, I can't remember the exact uh, figures, but the other thing that makes me wonder too is, as we were talking before, is some people mm -hmm. want this offline option, stuff like that, and some of them because they probably don't want to use their internet or other things. Maybe they're going away and they won't be near Wi-Fi or stuff like that. But I always wonder how often would I actually use it to actually get that extra amount that I would pay for, you know what I mean? And I wonder if some of that is coming into their argument because it was just given to them and stuff like that, even though those were bigger. Well, I know Crunchyroll is a bigger company. It is owned by Warner media and stuff like that but it is a smaller fish in that pie of warner media of course yes so they got well, all their own weight mm -hmm. well do we want to just acknowledge some of the differences with the other major ser possible services sure uh, i think you had some of them didn't you like i know yes funimation and we'll go on the monthlies Funimation, according to their website, and once again, these are probably Canadian prices, Premium, Premium Plus, and Premium Plus Ultra. Premium, two streams, but no, no offline, no offline viewing. Premium Plus is where the offline viewing begins. Two streams as well, and then Premium Plus Ultra, which is right away for one year at $99.99. Two simultaneous streams and then some members-only offers. Netflix, just for reference, uh, their two key tiers, $9.99. I think you have a couple extra streams. I think you have two, two screens, maybe one. But I know the key thing with the $9.99 tier is 
it's in SD. HD begins at the next tier, which is 1399. And then I think it's 1599, you could get Ultra HD or 4K. And that's interesting when you think about it now, Mike, because I remember that's the case, but they haven't ever done that for either Funimation or for Crunchyroll, dividing SD and HD streams and stuff like that. It was all there. Even the freebies get the HD. Yeah. But it's interesting, too, that probably there was some looking at what Funimation did. So it's like, okay, it's like we'll do a similar deal. But yeah, people are still going to come out and have their say. True. There is difference. I guess Crunchyroll is just dividing it further. Cash grab, perhaps. From my standpoint, just as a personal user, I get to watch an episode of Hard Capture in a little while because I've been so focused on a bunch of other things, which you already know if you've listened to previous episodes. Mm -hmm. But... I hardly use offline with Netflix. I haven't used it enough anyway to, and and this is just the way I go about my daily life. So this is one of those ho-hum type announcements for me. I think the only thing that could possibly put me up in arms is when my annual subscription for Crunchyroll comes up, what are they going to charge? Because The first year it was 60, the second year, and they were upfront about it. The second year would be 70. The current current low tier, the current first tier begins at $7.99 a month. So you'd like to think, or at worst, it could be 80. Who knows? Who knows? It hasn't really uh, committed. There's nowhere in my account that seems to it seems to let on what that charge will be when the subscription is up. And I uh, think that's the point maybe I'll be up in arms, if at all. Well, that was similar to what I was thinking, Mike. It's like, we'll see how it goes. But it will be interesting when it finally gets implemented to see which shows are actually allowed to be used for offline uh, viewing and stuff like that. Will it be everything? Yeah, actually, you will did it- bring up an that does bring up an interesting point. Just because they've announced it, is it blanket for every show? You would like to think they got a lot of them if it took them this long to actually announce it. And the other thing is, you know, we've talked about all these companies want original shows. So we've seen the Crunchyroll originals, then bring those out. So obviously those would be included and stuff like that. Or I think they want to be the uh, on the committee to uh, do the show it's because of things like this so that they can control all the rights i mean it's another layer to the whole Crunchyroll story especially in light of the fact that it's for sale don't know what this will add to the value really maybe it's irrelevant somebody tell me i don't know I don't think it'll, it, like, it's something that has probably been on the boil for a long time, so I wouldn't worry about anything like that for the sale. It, that's just another thing that's on the back burner, too, now, because they have to actually find that person that's actually going to buy them, if at all, and what money they're willing to finally part for it to at so that they can get to pay off their debt and stuff like that uh, on the Warner side. But it'll be interesting to see who wants to pony up the money because 
especially in this uh, economic climate, it would be a hard sell. And it started to start really high uh, with Sony Funimation. And I don't think they took too kindly to that. So I'm not sure how they're going to go back to them if they even want to go at a lower price or how they would get that those other bo- uh, buyers drumming up interest. Because I wouldn't say it's yeah. a buyer's market, unfortunately. Not right. It's more of a bear market. Oh, don't. It's, I'm, all I think is that don't sell it to Funimation. Like, come on. Okay. We don't need well, more monopolies. Okay. True. But wonder who would be interested. And we've come up with our names, so we'll let this story simmer for a little longer and maybe revisit it when we think something's inevitable or another name comes up or we have other ideas. But on the topic of other companies, Sentai, let's talk about them for a couple minutes before we go off the air tonight. They have made a couple announcements. I'm not going to say they're back from the dead, but at the least, they're still a pulse. And they had their own Sentai at Home event on the Wednesday, and they managed to put together a good program for two hours and 15 minutes. I think it's still up on YouTube if you want to uh, look it up. Anything that stuck out? Uh, It was just a few announcements, but they were just promoing a lot of stuff for this season and for stuff they had next season, like uh, Is It Wrong to Pick Up Girls in a Dungeon Season 3? And they tied in uh, stuff for that with interviews with the Japanese side and the English side uh, as well. So they had interviews with the Japanese side of Peter Grill of uh, Is It Wrong to Be in a Dungeon? They also had interviews with the Japanese seiyus of um, Made in the Abyss. And some of that I would be aware watching the main The Abyss interviews because it goes into spoiler ch- territory because they were promoting uh, the third movie, which somehow got out into real live theaters this month. Two of them are in Canada, one in Calgary, one in Vancouver. But they announced that there will be a virtual <laughs> option in uh, September. And then uh, the other funny thing, too, was they had um, the... Uh, director of uh, Morabito, even though they're re-releasing it, they had an interview with him because obviously they're re-releasing that in September. So that was an interview. Yeah, that was, was, that was surprising. His it, interview, it was... I'm like, holy smokes, he's aged so much in my mind. <laughs> I'm surprised Morabito got licensed again. Well, I guess I shouldn't be too surprised because it's a good show, but... And the like, caliber of the people behind it. Wow, I'm just like, really? Yeah, I'm just like, oh, it's the third company now. Because it was Media Blasters at first, and I think it went oh, to no, this. It was Genion. It was Genion. It was Genion first, and then John Cerebella from Media Blasters bought its stock uh, lock and barrel from Genion. That was one of the few that Funimation did not get. And the reason Media Blasters and John went after it is because it had the TV deal with Adult Swim already signed. So he's like, hit. Oh. It's because it had everything oh, but, already yeah, done by Genion. Never put it out, right? Yeah, Genion never. Put it never out. put it out. Yeah, they. Ne- but they had the license. Because in my mind, I knew Media Blaster put it out first, so everything was ready to go, and they just tried to get it done as quickly. But yeah, they they basically did all the work for Media Blasters, and all Media <laughs> Blasters had to do was 
pay for the typical John Cerebella right there. <laughs> so it fourth time is the charm because we had Genion, Media Blaster, Viz, typical and now John Cerebella. Way to go! But no, that one was a funny one because that went through the uh, fandom, and they were just having a good chuckle over that one. The chuckle and John Cerebella. That just sounds like two sets of words that go together. <laughs> okay. Anything else to add? Well, uh, the, the only other one, and I think, I'm not sure if you heard, we're talking about earlier, Kevin, when we were off line here, but we're talking about uh, them licensing as well, because Sentai gets some odd shows, like they've went to Yuri and stuff like that, but they're now going into Yaoi, uh, and they have done certain shows like this as well. But this is more Yaoi in your face with uh, Twittering Birds Never Fly, The Clouds Gather. And it's one of three 60-minute uh, theatrical installments. Mm -hmm. And so the first one came on February in Japan, and uh, they're going to release them all. Supposedly. But this is a part of Fuji TV's new initiative called uh, their Blue Links Boys Love Anime Label. And this is their first project. And this one's kind of interesting. You look at the trailer, it's interesting too, because it's kind of like this forbidden love between oh, of course. who's a gangster and this uh, police officer. That's the setup. Wow. First time, we said the word, first time I think we said the word Yakuza in this episode. I'll get back to that in a little bit. <laughs> Are we supposed to and they also license Granbelm too. Well, yeah, that one was through uh, the solicitations and that. That's coming on November, but that one's a funny one too, because that Grand uh, Bell, it was actually on Crunchyroll. Oh. And it looks like Crunchyroll has the master license because on the cover, it only it doesn't only just have no, Sentai's no, no. name, but it has Crunchyroll's name on it. So it's like they're Don't, distributing yeah. it for them, similar to how they're doing shows like uh, Konosuba with discotech so it makes me wonder they had an announcement and we talked about it many shows ago about how viz and warner were going to be the new distribution partner for physical media with crunchyroll and we haven't seen hide nor hair of them but somehow we've had these crunchyroll distributed releases through discotech and now this one through sentai so it's yeah. like what's happening or what's going on it's like how could every other company get something else for crunchyroll but their partner they announced so ceremoniously after they dumped fun uh, yeah there haven't been many that come out like split, i think there were free did come out on disc mm -hmm. too if i'm not mistaken okay. free season one because i remember with that situation see, crunchyroll had the master license for season one and then funimation had the license for season two yeah, because of how they worked it out and stuff like that. I was uh, some of these go through so many hoops, right? And there was another one actually. They did announce an old license. They had locked the Superman uh, for Blu-ray. They were announced they had, and they were going to release that in November too. But that was interesting because it's going to be sub only. And I know there was a dub because I think that dub was on the Discotech DVD release uh, about mm -hmm. five or seven years ago when they released it. So it makes me wonder how they're not able to get dubs, because they had that same issue with Main Japan when they released when the Dominion uh, Police and another older title where there was an English dub. It was done by Manga 
back in the yeah, 90s. Yeah, it could be one of those. They like... weren't able to license it or get it. Hmm. And Discotech has managed to be able to do that. Could be cost. It could be but I know the masters are bad. It could be the masters are gone. Or the dub is gone. Dub track is gone. Well, some of that isn't that. Some of it, I think, is the original dub oh, yeah, and then... kind of owns that. And they would want, like from those and they would hold it hostage by asking that's where I'm talking for body about. limbs. Kind of like, well, a lot of those 90s ADV titles were like that too, I remember. Because that was back when uh, contracts were, like, you know, the Japanese didn't think of having that clause in their contracts about owning those dubs after the fact. Yeah. Or owning those extras and stuff like that. The too. only reason why I keep my five centimeters DVD for that ADV dub. Okay. Well, it's funny you should say that, Kevin, because there's a reason to keep, if you ever buy them, and I have it, the Hayate, the Combat Butler uh, DVD from Bandai. So, because that's funny enough, they are releasing an ultimate collection of all the series and the movie of Hayate in November 2 from Sentai. But I never dipped in really? I never dipped into it because supposedly that season one, they do not have the um it's like they had a track, a Japanese track on the Bandai uh, DVD that was the bleep track, so they would bleep all these things out. And <laughs> so you would think, yeah. okay, why I am I watching a censored thing? But you see, the bleep track was more hilarious than the track without the bleeps. Like, it made it more yep. ridiculous <laughs> and more funny and more offensive, in a way, to have the bleeps in there. And th it's too bad they didn't get that track for Sentai. Hmm. Well, they could just do it themselves if they really wanted to. Right. They just don't want to put the money to put in the extra work, which I don't really blame them. But it was funny, too. It's like I was looking right or now, maybe actually, at their November... Or it could be a permission thing. Yeah, it, it probably is the right, right thing. But the All last right. thing looking at their thing, too, for November, they're on the Shinkai train, too, it seems, because they're releasing the Gardens of Word, the Garden of Words in Steelbook Edition as well. But of course... Good old foot fetish movie. Yeah, but it's not like... It's the Shinkai cocktail, right? Something like that. But the funny okay. thing, though, with these Steelbooks for Sentai, like, you can get them when they go on sale at the deep discounts it's better to get them because for some reason if you do it without just the u.s retail price their recommended price they're asking like 79.98 for these type of movie steelbooks i've seen like they've done it with ghost of the fireflies they've done it with vampire hunter d and i'm like why are they starting there oh, like yeah, it's the fireflies. weird compared to all the other people so once they like parry it down during the sales it's the time to get it because at least it's at a somewhat more reasonable price, but it's one of those weird ones where they really price them up, and I don't know why they do that. Who knows? Well, you know, okay, finish. Uh, they uh, lot, okay. Not getting as many shows as of late, so they got to up the price on some of that stuff. Yeah, as we said, uh, it's uh, a lot of tumbleweed and stuff like that. That's why people were wondering what would happen at the Sentai at home, and there were a couple of new things, but. It doesn't seem like there's much happening at the moment, even with the uh, drop in the bucket uh, Cool Japan gave them. 
I know Funimation has got the lion's share of the fall uh, season coming up. I see them promoting uh, some of that stuff too. They were promoting uh, Gods of Grace, and then they also, oh, actually, it was by the Grace of Gods was the one that the Isekai they were talking about, and they showed uh, at their event in uh, July, which was good. And then, of course, uh, Igarashi, they showed the recent trailer, and that'll mm. look good. Definitely brought back the film. When you uh, watch that trailer. I can't wait to watch that. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to watch that. As I said, as I said at the beginning of talking Sentai, and we'll finish this up. It's not really they've been resuscitated or brought back to life. It's just a confirmation that they still have a pulse. Which at least means they're still there. Yeah, they're still they're still there, but it's kind of crazy like when we think back to the beginning mm. of the aughts and the boom and stuff like that and they were always front and center and they had all the sizzle and all that stuff and you see where they are now and it's just like wow just mm-hmm. just wow okay and some people right. can't even probably remember what adv is now right just like they can't remember what genion is those were the days yeah, they'll, they'll probably have to google that i guess if we have the younger viewers right Right. We're we're the old school fans now. Oh yeah, that too. <laughs> Relatively speaking. Mm-hmm. We're not really old school, but well, I guess some of you are, but yeah. It's it's like it's interesting when nowadays when uh you have Boruto coming out now and then fans of Boruto joke that oh yeah, there's another show called Boruto's Dad. And okay. <laughs> a lot of those fans have not watched Naruto. It's it, it's kind of and that sounds crazy to us. Jeez, and 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 I guess it's not it's not as a it's not like passing fandom with the Rolling Stones, is it? <laughs> but it's kind Going of funny when we think about it too. Like way back yeah. when, it's like you had anime clubs and people were showing all sorts of different series and like everything felt new. So you had things from the nineties, from the early two thousands, and then even some from the eighties, because remember you showed and people fell in love with core at our old uh, anime club there, Mike. And it was just mm-hmm. all new and all fresh. And now everyone, because we're in front of computers and we're watching streaming and we've talked about before, everyone wants that next new hot thing. And it's like, okay, what's on this season? Or what's on this season? I have to keep up. And it's become almost like television instead of discovering all these different shows that are from different uh, years and different decades like we used to and stuff like that and looking at them with fresh eyes, whereas now they probably say, this is old. It's like, I'm going to skip to something else. Isn't that kind of sad? And then you don't get that evergreen feel, right? Because would... Cowboy Bebop still have the same feel and still be as evergreen if it was released now, I wonder, compared to mm-hmm. back then and other well, shows back then. That's what I always wonder with the way it is, like each season. It's like, oh, this was so great this season or this year, and then we forget about it down the line. Well, you you just had me thinking. The anime, what's the new series based on Inuyasha that's just about to come out? Isn't like Yashahime or something? I, I believe I believe it's similar to what you said. That rings a bell, Kevin. Yes, but remember the anime is about to come out, 
And this was years after yeah, Yasha. Yeah. So let's see what happens here. And how many will bring up being a fan of the original? It's Yasha Hime. Yasha Hime? Okay, thank you. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to wind it up in a, just a bit. But quickly, last episode, I asked James and Kevin to talk a little bit about a recommendation, what's something they're oh. doing or reading at the moment. Didn't really ask Mohammed about anything lately. And I'm wondering if, if Mohammed can hear me for a second. I can hear you. I can hear you. I'm still here. I will edit that out. <laughs> but I did want to. I did want to. Yeah, that that is solo. Yeah. No, do not edit this out. <laughs> I am going to ask you though. Now, did you finish Japan Sinks? I have, have not yet finished it. How far in? How many episodes is it? I believe it's only eight. No, ten. It's ten episodes. I'm five episodes in. Oh, because you're you're still just halfway through. Halfway through. Okay. I thought I'd ask. Uh, how, did you watch it? Not yet, because uh, I will tell you my upcoming stuff. First of all, I did start Yakuza Kiwami earlier today, just a little bit. Book-wise, I'm starting to read Pure Invention by Matt Alt, and that's an assignment between me and James. We've, we have to read it in a bit. But the last book I read was Underground as well, which was about Om Shin Rikyo and the sarin gas attacks in 1995. And just for reference, coming back to Yakuza, in Yakuza 0, there was a side story where Majima had to save a girl from a cult. And everything he finds out in that cult reads exactly like... It's not a coincidence because of who the leader ended up looking like later on, too but it reads like things that would have happened or documented as happening in Om Shinrikyo according to Underground, the book by Murakami. When I read that part in the book, I remembered that mission, that side story in Yakuza. And it described a lot of things that happened in there to a T. And which has me thinking the, the developers really did do their research back then there's another joke with that but I'll say that off the air so that's my that's my current cue and oh yeah and I found out on the topic of Netflix too Ready Player One is presently on Netflix but apparently that's set to expire sometime next week in the first couple days of September so that's something I've put on my immediate queue. So I want to take some time to watch that if seeing that was any good. And that's about it. Well, to the listeners out there, I just want to also quickly acknowledge or preview something that we're going to do in a couple days that you'll see on your feeds. Angela O'Hara will join me for an interview sometime this weekend, and we'll have that up hopefully within a day or so of this episode being up. And we're going to catch up with her in a, a new segment, and we'll tell you more about that when we start that. So 
For anybody wondering what she's been up to since the version 1 era, we're going to hear from her for the first time in the version 2 era in the next day or so. So hopefully to a long time listeners, That's cool. to listeners uh, from the past who've listened way back, I think you'll be interested to hear from her. But that's about it for this evening. This has not been an easy week. And this evening has not been easy considering the stuff we just found out as we were taping. It just, it, it just hit me that uh, we lost Black Panther and Black Mamba this year. Yeah. 2020, man. Just three months to go. Oh, four months to go. Oh, I, I think people wish it's, it was already over. Let's just make it three months to go. <laughs> Hopefully. And uh, but, uh, that's about it. I'd like to think there's still stuff to for- look forward to. I think there is. I'd like to think so. But, boy, lots to digest this week. I think we'll have to stop now to do so. Thanks for listening. Have a good night.